It's time to get strong, fit, and resilient. Welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast with your host, Brandon Rinka, where Brandon shares insights, practices, and education on leveling up how you look, feel, and perform. Say goodbye to complacency and get ready to kick the door into a new standard of living. All right, everybody. So let's take a look at these three biggest easily adjusted fitness mistakes most people make. And this is kind of a fun one because, yes, these are the biggest, most noticeable, most common mistakes people make, but they're easily adjusted. These are the things that if you flip around and you just do the opposite of it, that you will actually see really damn good results. It just takes that awareness. It takes that acceptance. It takes that trust to you know, actually apply what we're going to learn here and then to actually take the action to apply the knowledge, right? And that's kind of the biggest thing. But for a lot of people, this might be stuff that you don't know. Uh, potentially, you're ignorant towards. Maybe you don't believe it. But this is the right approach. This is the approach that is going to get you the results you want. And these are the approaches or the things that people are doing that are really causing them to not see a great result. It's causing them to plateau. It's causing them to struggle with fat retention or not being able to lose the weight they want to lose or feel the way feel the way they want to feel. So very important that we highlight these three and the way I broke it down was I just thought about if I had an ideal client that came to me and they said, Brandon, what are the three things you really need me to focus on initially? Well, it'd be the three biggest mistakes that people make. So these are the three things I sat down and I thought about and said, if they were just to just do this, that I would get an amazing result for an individual over the course of six months and or 12 months, three years and five years. Now, when I say amazing results... It's all relative. That doesn't mean you're going to lose 30 pounds in six months because I don't want to equate that necessarily to amazing results. When I think amazing results, I think you're thriving physically, thriving mentally and emotionally. You have reframed how you see health and fitness. You've integrated this into your lifestyle as part of what you want to do and how you feel. Um, your biomarkers are improved. Your hormones um, are thriving. Um, and just your life and quality of life and well-being has dramatically improved. So that's what I say. When I say that we're going to see some massive benefits, those are the things I'm referring to. So let's jump into it. Number one, consuming or under-consuming protein, because we're focusing on the biggest mistakes people are making. So under-consuming protein, so easy. Now, I don't get this one, yet everyone does it, right? I've never ran into a new client where we check their calories and we check their macro profile and they're just crushing a decent amount of protein. Like it's rare. I don't think I've, I don't think I've experienced that to be quite honest. Uh, potentially here and there that they've had a couple of good days, but not a consistent flow of a high protein diet. Um, because typically if they're doing that, they'll see pretty damn good results. They'll retain a lot of muscle mass, if not build some muscle mass, if the calories are where they need to be. They will be satiated, so they won't be under or they won't be over consuming you know, processed food. Chances are they're prioritizing protein. Chances are they're eating breakfast. So they're not in the catabolic state. There's so many benefits that go with eating more protein, right? Like I just mentioned. So I run into people, they're under consuming, maybe eating, you know, you find the average person, they're eating what, two to three meals a day. 
Now, the average person, let's just throw them in the 130-pound category if we're taking a look at males and females, probably closer. Now, if we're talking more real average, the average weight for a, I think it was like a between a 20 and 30-year-old woman was like 176 pounds. Pretty wild. This is average. Obviously, we're talking about the morbidly obese, and we're talking about the relatively fit in that 115 to 130 range. So it kind of makes sense if you're the morbidly obese is 300, and the relatively fit is you know, 110, 115, it makes a lot of sense that the average is around 176, quite high when you think about it. For males, it's around 190, um, 205. So right there, if we're looking to consume a decent amount of protein to maintain muscle mass, to support an anabolic state, i.e. a growth state where we have more um, muscle building and we have muscle breakdown, where hormones are regulated, we have, you know, a decent amount of testosterone production and growth hormone it's not a very stressful state we want to make sure protein is at the forefront of our thinking so typically the way i direct people super easy super simple to remember typically if they fall a little short of this i'm okay with that but the number alone is really easy to remember one gram of protein per pound of body weight now if you're someone who holds a lot of fat so let's just say you're overweight or obese I would want you to hit one gram of pound, one gram of protein per pound of lean muscle mass. The leaner, more in shape you are, I want you to be closer to that one gram per pound of body weight. Because I don't need a 300 pound obese person eating 300 grams of protein. You can see that we're going to run into some issues like that, right? That's probably going to lead to some digestive issues. It's not practical. They're not going to consume 300 grams of protein. It's just not going to happen. So we're setting them up for a failure. Where if we're looking at their lean muscle mass, maybe that 300 pound individual has a 160, maybe 120 grams or pounds of lean muscle mass. I don't know, somewhere in that range, maybe 200 Okay, now we're talking about getting to a little bit more of a practical number where the average fit person, somewhere between that, you know, let's just say females from 120 to 150, uh, males from 160 to 180 or so, one gram per pound. Okay, that's reasonable. If you're a bigger guy, you're six foot four, you're 230 pounds, you probably want the calories. You're a big person, right? You're, you're expending a lot of energy doing the things you do because you are carrying around a lot more weight. You know, it, it does take a lot more effort for you to do you know, simple things. So you're going to want more calories anyways, and you're probably going to be consuming, if you're in a healthy state, 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day, which makes consuming 200 to 230 grams of protein pretty reasonable, right? For the 130-pound, 150-pound individual, not so much, right? Wouldn't make sense to get that 230, 250. So we keep you around that 130, 150. Studies show 0.6 to 1 gram per pound is sufficient. So 0.6 grams of protein per 1 pound of body weight or 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight is sufficient. So again, that gives us some wiggle room. If we're looking at a 100-pound individual, just to keep numbers really simple, technically, they could take in 60 grams of protein. That keeps them on that low end, that 0.6 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And I, re- I wrote about all this in my 104-page nutrition ebook uh, that you can purchase on my website as well. So you ever you know feel inclined to learn a little bit more, I think it has about 10 different chapters on um, just how to optimize your nutrition with some good basic fundamental 
uh, advice and insight for you guys to learn about. Um, that would be a good direction for you. And I, I talk about this, I you know, share the research studies, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, it, it, I just don't get it because let's just say someone is 115 pounds and they're under consuming protein. We need, you know, we need minimum 70 grams, okay? Pretty easy to consume. A protein shake alone. This is why people shit on protein shakes sometimes because they tell you they don't shit on it because it's not good for you, but they say try to get solid food in. Of course, if you can get 100 grams of protein in through eggs, cheese, yogurt, meat, poultry, amazing, do it. However, a lot of people have a, have difficulty because that is so satiating. It's a lot of work to consume a five ounce chicken breast or uh, you know six ounce or ten ounce steak, right? Like it's it's filling for the person. And typically, if you're not used to eating a decent calorie range of two thousand to three thousand calories per day, you're going to notice yourself feeling quite full by consuming more protein. What I like to do as an easy hack, especially early on, and for me who needs, I'm 175 pounds, I train once, twice a day sometimes. Um, obviously, I get after it in my, in my training. I take on you know pretty gnarly projects and strength endurance events. So I want to make sure I really maintain muscle mass. So sometimes I'll be near the 200 mark. So I'll actually be around 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Um, and for me to get, you know, 175 to 200 grams of protein per day through whole foods, you know, I'd eat six meals a day and I probably just scratched the surface of about 160 to 100 grams of protein, 180 grams of protein. So um, now this is with a protein shake, right? Because if without it, with the just whole foods, I'd probably be around 150, right? If we do the math on the top of my head right now, let's just say I do chicken, which I always do. That's about 30 grams of protein. Um, I do a lean um, beef burger. That's another about 25, so we're up to 55. I do three eggs, which is, we're going to round up to 20. So we're at 75. I do some cheese here and there. So let's put on another 10. So we're at 85. Uh, I'll throw in fish, which is another 25. So now we're up to, <clears throat> okay, 120. Um, from there, uh, egg whites, I'll do 15 grams of protein. So I'm at 135. You can see right there, so I'm getting pretty close. And then I get some trace mineral, um, trace proteins through, let's just say, oats or a whole grain toast or whole grain pasta, for example. That will kind of spread up to another 15 grams of protein, for example. So now we're at that 150, 152 mark. And then the protein shake, 30 grams gets you to 180. So you can see how effective having a protein shake is. Now, for me, <laughs> for you, you probably just heard this and said, okay, I'm not eating chicken, eggs, cheese, fish and beef in the same day. I'm not, I'm not doing that brand. I can't, I won't do it, right? Because that's a lot of meals. Sounds like you're eating all day long. Thankfully, I'm in the industry where I have the affordability to eat in that manner. Um, I have the freedom to do so. It's not a, a crazy amount of, of prep work, but if it was, I'd still do it because I care about my results. But that's where protein chase can become a, a really useful tool and come in handy, right? Especially if you're in a rush, if you forgot to prep that day, um, if you're 30 grams or 20 grams off your protein target that day, throw in a protein shake. It's just something, again, that I've relied on since I was 15 years old, right? Whey protein, um, incredibly effective amino acid profile, complete amino acid profile, usually very clean, like out of a 30-gram scoop, 27 grams of it um, is whey isolate protein. So, you know, grass-fed stuff. It's, it's just it's such a useful, easy tool. You know, you, you can literally put it in water, and shake it up, and within, what, a minute, you drank your protein shake, 
amazing. It's an easy way to get more calories too because a lot of people, they under-consume calories, which isn't technically on this list, but you know, when I say under-consuming protein, that kind of goes into under-consuming calories, um, at least you know, whole natural calories. Uh, a calorie profile that will actually help support muscle mass. And this is another way for you to kind of hack the system because a lot of people have a difficulty, if they're eating three meals a day, to make each of those meals, let's just say they want to be in that mid 2000 calorie range, so 2,500 calories, they're only eating three meals a day. Now, each of those meals has to be 800 calories. Those are pretty big meals. With a shake, you know, you do that post-workout, you do it as a breakfast, you do it something as a snack. You know, you can definitely fill that up to a 600-calorie shake pretty easy. How do you do so? Pretty simple, guys. You do the whey protein powder. That's going to give you about 120 to 130 calories right there. You know, you throw in some, you know, a tablespoon or two of coconut oil. Yeah, you throw in some fresh berries, uh, maybe banana, for example. You can throw in some hazelnut or almond butter. Um, you can throw in um, oats as well. You can throw in an egg. You can throw in half a cup of egg whites. Like It's really easy to make that a 600-calorie shake, which, again, if you're trying to support that mid-2,000 calorie to 3,000-calorie range, which most people would actually benefit from, you know, a guy like myself, I've talked about this in past podcasts, I need to be, you know, in the low 3,000 calories to even start the conversation of me adding more lean muscle tissue and adding a little bit of weight to my body, right? So it's a lot of calories and I, and it would be hard for me to just eat whole foods and get that 32 or 3,400 calories per day. You know, it helps to have an 800 calorie protein shake. Again, we're not going to jump too much into calories. We're going to really focus on protein. So just dial it back and think, okay, if I add this protein shake in, Will it get me to my target? Will will it just you know support my protein needs uh, a little bit more effectively, where I'm hitting it more consistently? And you got to look at that, have the awareness to say I'm really not hitting my protein uh, most days. You know what can I do to improve that? I have a really hard time um, consuming whole foods um, consisting of thirty to forty grams of protein per day because I only eat three meals a day. Some people eat only two meals a day. Like it's just not enough um, unless you're willing to eat. If you're a 170 pound person, if you're willing to eat 80 grams of protein per meal, again, probably not the best thing for your digestion, probably not all that practical. Again, the suggestion would be to eat more frequently uh, and prioritize protein. When I say that, I mean every meal you have should have protein in it and a decent amount of protein. Seven grams of protein, you know, a handful of nuts is not a high protein prioritized protein meal. Okay, let's get that out of the way. 20 plus grams. 30 plus grams, that's what we're talking about when we say high protein meal. So we want to make sure we prioritize it, meaning that if we have a plate of sweet potato, of vegetables, um, and we have a chicken breast, we make sure that chicken breast is prioritized over the sweet potato and the vegetables. Don't fill up. You go to a restaurant, what always happens, right? You order a big steak, but what comes first? The Caesar salad and the bread. You fill up on the bread, you fill up on the Caesar salad, and you're left with eating half of the steak. Like You see how fast you completely neglect prioritizing the most important macronutrient for um, obviously maintaining a healthy body weight to improving muscle mass, to creating that anabolic state for muscle repair, uh, for that satiating effect. And we've neglected that because we prioritize in that particular situation carbohydrates right? So make sure you eat the meat, the chicken, the whatever first, and then you can decide how hungry you are to finish your potatoes, finish your salad, stuff like that. Just prioritize it. We have the numbers now. Number two, we're looking at ignoring the science of adaptation, okay? 
what this simply means is the body adapts, right? After we do something for a fairly consistent period of time, our body gets really good at it. An easy example for everybody to visualize is the mailman, right? Or male woman. They're walking, what, maybe, I'm just going to throw a you know, generic number out there, but let's just say 20,000 steps a day. That's really good. Like You're going to lose some weight off the bat. You're going to get in better shape. But we don't look at male men and go, wow, that person's super thin. I see some fat male people. Of course we do, right? Because the body adapts. It stops getting sent, it stops getting sent the signal to burn a lot of calories. What happens is, oh, we're getting 20,000 steps a day. You know, we're burning a lot of calories. We're only consuming so many calories. Let's just say we're only consuming 1,800 calories a day, but we're technically burning more than that. Well, we're kind of in a stressful state. So what we're going to do, we're going to slow down the manual calorie burn, right? We're going to become more calorie efficient. So we're not going to burn as many calories with these 20,000 steps anymore, right? There's a really cool study um, out of the Hodson tribe. They're a hunter-gatherer tribe. That's actually you know, modernized, so they're still around. And they did a research study to follow these individuals around, see how many calories they burned because they were still hunting their prey. They were still going on feet and going about their day to actually catch their prey. So they're getting a ton of steps in all day long. Like that's their job. That's how they survive. And what they noticed was the amount of calorie burn was very similar to the average American. You say, how is that so? Well, their body became extremely efficient with calories, right? They're only consuming so many f- calories per day. The body couldn't afford to burn 3,000, 5,000 calories a day because their body would deteriorate. So what happens is the body gets really good at adapting. It becomes very efficient. So it says, hey, we can't afford to burn 5,000 calories with these you know, 20-mile day trips. So what we're going to do, we're going to start slowing down the metabolism, and we're only going to burn X amount of calories. So the body becomes very efficient. So it adapted. And this is what happens when people work out, right? They go to the gym, they do the same thing over and over, and the body adapts, right? There's no longer a signal being sent to force adaptation, to send a signal to get stronger, to get faster, to build more muscle tissue, to increase metabolism, because they're doing the same thing all the time. And there's two camps. There's the camp of doing the same thing over and over. It's the person that says, hey, every Monday I have chest day and chest day looks like this. I do barbell bench press, I do incline bench press, I do decline bench press, and I do cable flies. Okay, and I do the same three sets by 12 reps or whatever, right? And then the next day is a leg day, next day is a back day. And and they can reiterate, you know, exercise for exercise, rep for rep, set for set, exactly what that looks like for the last three years or six months. Like, Six weeks is too long, let alone months and years, but that's what happens. And so they notice they're still doing things that are healthy for the body. They're keeping some their general fitness up. Um, they're maintaining their fitness level. They're obviously getting that mental reset from going to the gym. They're moving their body, creating circulation, all good things, but their body's not adapting. They're not getting stronger. They're not building more muscle tissue. And that's why you notice these people that slowly start seeing the muscle you know, degradation occur because they're not quite sending the signal loud enough to offset the muscle breakdown. So what you want to do is constantly kind of send a different signal. But then the other camp, before I move on, is they're always different. Every workout is different. So there's no aspect of progressive overload. They have no idea what they did last week, and they have no idea how to progress on that. There's not an increase in volume. There's not an increase in weight. There's not a new signal being sent through increased 
you know, tempo or time under tension. It's the same or it's a different thing all the time. So there's no way of tracking. And this only lasts so long. That's why you typically see these class-based studios, boot camp studios, fitness classes. People go in, they get a pretty good result for the first two months. It's fun. It's exciting. It's community-based. You're losing some weight. But then what happens? The body hits a massive plateau because there's just so much going on and there's no way to actually track if you're doing more or you're doing less. And the signal's way too weak and way too quiet to actually create positive physiological adaptation. That's why these challenges come in handy so well with these class environments because they promote eat a little bit less, increase the training volume. And that creates adaptation because now we're actually progressively overloading, right? We're doing more work, a form of progressive overload, and we're actually consuming less potentially. Even if you're consuming more, the volume still increased. So there is at least a form, a new signal of doing more, hence a higher stress demand for adaptation. The other day, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, a friend, I saw him outside the gym and he was telling me how he kind of works out to maintain the lifestyle that he likes where he'll go out and eat fairly regularly he'll eat out right he's like well i basically i work out so i can live that lifestyle he's not overly strict he enjoys working out pretty big guy um you know in terms of has a decent amount of muscle mass to him and you know but he still has a little bit of a stomach or whatever and he says you know what you know for me i want to be able to have that balance god bless him and i said you know what You, you coming in here at least doing strength training at least you're sending this signal for the body to adapt and you can change it up right you don't have to do uh more volume you don't necessarily have to do more sessions you can just switch up the signal you can do a hypertrophy phase you can do a strength phase you can do a a performance phase um you can do just a different style or method of training to send a different signal higher reps lower reps whatever i was like and i told him i said if you were just doing cardio and you became this cardio person and you tried to convince yourself well i do six days a week of cardio so i can eat the way i want to eat outside of the gym he would get fat, much fatter than he is or he he can get right now because at least right now he's he's doing the best thing for his body, right? He's weight training, hence why he's not getting fat by the way he's eating because he's adapting through changing up his methodology a little bit. But if he weren't doing that and he was doing cardio, his only solution, which people don't take in consideration, would be after six weeks or eight weeks or whenever, whenever the body really adapts would to be would be adding more training sessions on so that five days a week of cardio now turns into seven days a week of cardio, or those sessions go from 45 minutes to 60 minutes to 90 minutes to what? Then maybe you're going to run a half marathon on the weekend. Like You're constantly chasing more at that point because if you do any less and you still keep eating the way you're eating, you're guaranteed to add fat. And if you keep the body doing the same thing and it's not adapting, but you're still eating like it is adapting, you're going to gain weight. So the person doing cardio absolutely screws themselves now because their only solution is a higher stress environment through more frequency, more training volume, or more intensity, i.e. I'm going to go from six miles an hour on the treadmill to eight miles an hour on the treadmill. Like You see my point? You really get into a really tough predicament. And when you ignore the science of adaptation, you run into these issues. So what I tell people is don't fall in love with modality. Don't fall in love with the style of training. Don't do the same thing over and over again. Switch it up. And this is why I've built systems. I'm you know, building a new opportunity soon, which we'll, I'll, I'll get into in, in a few weeks or so, where people are going to have an outlet 
where they can train in a manner that's going to be completely result-driven. We're going to have phases and we're going to have blocks of training because I'm a result-driven individual. I build systems and programs and workouts and training philosophies built around you getting stronger, you becoming fitter, you becoming more resilient, and you actually being able to see your body grow stronger, increase muscle tissue, and speed up metabolism because I want long-term results. I don't want someone to have to do a challenge where they restrict calories or increase train volume to just see results. I want the body to see results through scientific principles applied to strength training, right? So when you ignore this fact that the body adapts, you're going to run into trouble and you're going to wonder why the workout you're doing isn't working anymore. I haven't changed anything else. Right, I'm still eating the same food. Why is my body not adapting? Why is it looking softer? Why is it looking weaker? Why does it look like I'm holding more fat? Well, the body over time, obviously there's a smaller, much more quiet signal to build muscle as you age. So you can't afford to constantly do the same thing because like I said, the pace at which muscle starts breaking down is much higher than or much louder than the signal you're sending it to grow and stay youthful and to stay young. So we need to keep that in consideration. When we talk about the science of adaptation as well, we also have to appreciate and apply rest days and recovery in an optimal manner. Hence, why programming is so important, right? When you have programming that doesn't take that in consideration, we're constantly burning the candle at both ends. What we want to do is apply proper recovery, apply proper rest, get proper sleep, manage a stressful environment, right? Don't keep hammering more on the body. More is rarely the option, is rarely the thing that you need more of. Typically, you just need a more intelligently written training program to actually see better results. And you going more and more and adding more volume, more intensity, more frequency, it's just creating a more stressful state. It's no longer built on adaptation. It's built on you beating the shit out of the body, which of course isn't effective because guess what? For the body to adapt, it needs rest. It needs recovery. It needs the opportunity to repair because at that point, you're basically constantly just hammering away at the same muscle over and over and over, right? It makes no sense. Like the body eventually needs to be, needs to tell you, hey, I need time to rest so I actually have the opportunity to repair all the beatdown you're doing on my body. But if you constantly get after it and you're constantly beating the body down, it doesn't have the opportunity to actually regenerate and become stronger, right? It's like you're, you're not allowing your body to actually build calluses. You're constantly just tearing away at them. Like you need to get let the body adapt that way. And number three, we're looking at short-term thinking. Such a big one. One thing I probably preach the most, um, I preach adaptation quite a bit on, on my social platforms, but short-term thinking is something that really irritates me. Um, it really messes up the space when coaches do this too, so that frustrates me a bit. And I, and I try to be more present to say, okay, we'll handle what you can handle. Um, you know, do what you can do on your side of things. And that, that kind of messaging is always going to be out there because people – um, that want to make a buck, that want to show people a result. They, they don't have the ability to necessarily explain or articulate or describe why losing this much weight in two months isn't the best thing for them. So 
and they want to appease people. They want to keep clientele. They want to secure the job. They want to secure the client. So they want to give the client exactly what they want. So when the client does see the result of weight loss in two months, they're ecstatic. But then what happens when all the weight comes back on, right? And the coach doesn't really have a good answer. And maybe it can actually be pushed into, well, you're not following the diet. You're not training enough. And I've seen this over and over, guys. Like This is not just me talking out of my ass. Like I've been a fitness consultant i've been an advisor for years on years i'm talking to literally eight to ten people a day having these meetings having these one-on-ones for years on end so we're talking about thousands of people i've sat down with talked to i've seen people get great results i've seen people i've worked with not get so great results because they're in too much of a hurry and they don't actually apply the advice and it's always comes back down on me and how could have i educated them better or how could have i guided them a little bit differently or how could have i preempted them differently um, and sometimes, you know, it's obviously on them too, but it, it's a mutual thing. And the people that get the best results, they don't think short term. And I really try to force that into the conversation now, telling them like, here are the realistic expectations over the next three months. Here's what the, you know, BR365 SFR system is all about. This is how phase one is going to look. This, this is what we're going to do. This is what phase two is going to look like, phase three and phase four. And this is how we're going to do it. And we're not going to fast forward a, a phase just because it's time to go to phase two or time to go to phase three. No, there is a natural progression that once we actually apply what needs to be done in phase one and we kind of get our body to where it needs to, needs to go, then we can move on to phase two, right? That's just an example. So when we think short term and we think what's going to happen over the next two months, the next three months, what's going to happen, uh, what can we achieve before the summer hits, you know, and those are all those are all motivating goals. Like I want, when the summer comes around, I definitely want to change my body composition a bit, but I also don't see it as, well, after that, I'm back to doing whatever I want. Like, no, I constantly think in terms of health and longevity and what it's doing for me mentally, what it's doing for me emotionally, what it's doing for me physically in terms of, and when I say physically, not just the aesthetics, but what it's doing to my sleep, what it's doing to my gut health, what it's doing to you know, how my body feels in terms of pain or inflammation or tension, how strong it feels, how well I can run and perform at a high level, the things I can do in terms of my projects and stay injury free. Like those are the things that I constantly think about and I let drive me, right? And I think about, man, I can't wait to be that incredibly fit 40-year-old and 50-year-old and and live a great life at 70 and 80 where I can, you know, be capable and be able to do all the things I want to do on my own regard and my own capabilities, right? I have that independence and I and I think really long term. And I also use that to mold what I want to do in the short term too. Like like it, it's that happy balance with people that constantly think, okay, well what can I get in the next 2 to 3 months and they haven't sat with themselves and sat with the idea of how do I integrate health and fitness into my life for the rest of my life? Like, what can I do? What relationship do I need with health and fitness to make this an infinite journey, right? But they think in a finite manner. They think that there's an end to this, that eventually if they get their external goal, that they're going to be good. They're not going to need health and fitness anymore. They can just live the life they want to live. And they think in terms of sacrifice and restriction. They have this really unhealthy relationship where, of course, when they think like that, who wants to do that for the rest of their life? No one does. But that's the, that's the harm in this short-term thinking and this improper, poor messaging from fitness, quote-unquote, experts or coaches. Let's call them coaches because I don't want to throw around experts, but coaches 
that go online, that talk to their community, that preach a short-term message, that preach what you can do in eight weeks. It's such short-term thinking. It is absolutely harming the industry because like we see, we're not doing any better. We have an obesity epidemic. It is constantly growing. The messaging of what you can do over the next three months does not work. We don't have a weight loss problem. We have a keep the weight off problem. I can get anybody to lose a lot of weight over the next three months and I can look like a fucking hero of a coach over three months. I'm not going to retain that person because they're going to gain it all back and they're going to feel like shit. They're going to have mood swings. They're going to have low energy. They might lose their cycle. Like These are real things. Women that are in this low, high stress, low calorie state, high volume workout you know, cycle, they lose their cycle and they don't have the energy and they're they have mood swings and their sleep is disrupted and they're constantly stressed and they have all these little issues that aren't even talked about ever. And it's like, no, like those are the real things that make your quality of life what it is. Like, sure, looking great is great. It's cool. It's good stuff. However, if I look great but I felt like shit, I wouldn't have a good quality of life. Like my North Star is how I feel and how I feel is nurtured with long-term thinking, not what's going to happen over the next two to three months. Because if you're thinking over the next two, three, six months, you are going to sacrifice your health. And we need to prioritize health over results. Ironically, when you prioritize health, the byproduct is results. When you prioritize results, that bi- the byproduct is poor health. And results don't last. It's like, why wouldn't we prioritize health? Get the results that last compared to prioritizing the results, fucking up our health, and then actually losing the result. Like now we've created an environment where we don't have the result and we have poor health. When we could have prioritized health, we could have now had both. The result took a little bit longer, mind you, but again, you're healthier. You did it the right way. You actually didn't compromise muscle mass. You didn't compromise your energy. You didn't compromise your hormones. You didn't compromise your biomarkers, i.e. your sleep, your stress, your mood, your cravings, your hormones. Like these are important things to keep in mind. And short-term thinking is absolutely screwing people over and it's such an easy fix. Unfortunately, it starts with the mind. Not unfortunately, but that's what makes it so tricky because people don't want to take the time to reframe how they see things. They don't want to educate themselves. They don't want to learn what they don't know. They want to apply what they've been told. And what they've been told is failing advice right? And to change the mind is actively programming the mind to think differently, to act differently, to consume different content, to learn, be a lifelong student. It takes work, but it works really well. The average client of mine, it takes them about three to four months before they start saying, okay, I see where Brandon's going with this. Because off the bat, I tell them to trust me. I explain the system. I tell them what we're going to do. Sounds good. They get it. They understand. They hear what I'm saying. Makes sense. But until they start seeing the results of, okay, I'm getting stronger, I'm eating more food, I feel better, I haven't lost a bunch of weight, but I've lost some inches, my muscles are getting more toned and defined, I'm feeling more sculpted, okay, cool, this is just four months in, maybe he's onto something, of course I am, but it takes time. And the person that doesn't want to do that, they don't want to not do what they're currently doing, they want it all. They want to keep doing what they're doing, but they want a better result. Well, no. It's not going to happen, buddy. Like, it's not going to happen. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get the same results you've always gotten. 
So we got to do something different. We got to take a different approach. We got to take the right approach to what you're doing. Might take way longer than you think. Might take way more investment because guess what? You're so far back that we got to pull you out of the shit. And that takes time. Doesn't happen in six months. Doesn't happen in a year sometimes. It's a lifelong journey. Accept it. But be excited about it because it's the journey that's exciting. It's the small wins that are awesome. If I give you a pill today where tomorrow you'd be in great shape, that would last for a week, maybe a month of you being excited that, oh my God, I had the body that I wanted. But you still wouldn't fix the problem that you feel like shit. You wouldn't know how to maintain that because your behaviors still suck. So let's actually work on the behaviors. Let's work on the small wins. Let's focus on all the internal, the intrinsic benefits that are happening mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, professionally, personally, rather than just the one result of I want to lose 15 pounds at all costs, where all the other aspects I just talked about are neglected or harmed. Not a good sacrifice, not a good approach to what you're doing. So again, this is such a big mistake, but so easily adjusted. Go from short term to long term. Go from immediate gratification to long-term success. You will get short-term success as well. It will look different. It will look different than your friend who decided to do six days a week cardio and eat a 1,000 calories. Yes, she will lose weight faster than you. Yes, she will feel shittier than you. Right? We, we highlight a picture we, we promote and glorify a picture of a transformation with no understanding of what's going on in this person's body. No understanding if they're suffering from anxiety and depression, if they're chronic, chronically stressed, if they're having bouts of mood swings, if they've lost their period, if their skin, nails, and hair are being affected, if their hormones are all out of whack and all of a sudden they're not getting the proper signal sent, Right? They're ghrelin, they're leptin, their melatonin is all out of whack. Their testosterone has hit a massive plummet. Growth hormone not being optimized. Like, we don't see that in a picture. We see a picture. So let's keep that in mind. Let's understand the importance and the value of long-term thinking. And this is going to get you where you want to go. Those three things. So let's summarize. We have under-consuming protein. Biggest mistakes, easily adjusted. We went over that. Ignoring the science I use that word very appropriately, the science of adaptation, and then obviously short-term thinking, right? We need to make sure we're not viewing what we're trying to do in the short term, and we're seeing the big picture of how we can integrate this approach into the rest of our life and how that's going to enhance, not take away, but enhance our quality of life and our overall well-being. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Like always, if it added value to you, maybe you want to pass it on to other people so it adds value to those in your life that you love and care about. We'll see you on the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.